<laughs> All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll pick up with our study. Father, we're thankful to be here again this morning to worship the risen Christ, the Lamb who was slain, and with His blood He purchased a people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation to be a people for Himself. That there are going to be the people around the throne of God forever worshiping the risen Christ because of His work on the cross. And we know His work is efficient, sufficient, efficacious, effectual, that it accomplishes its purposes so that those for whom Your Son gave His life will be redeemed. And for that, we're grateful. We're grateful to be numbered among that people, to be included among that group, that we are the church, those called out of darkness, called into the light of the kingdom of God, that we're forgiven of our sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought that all of our sin, not the part but the whole, all of it's gone. We bear it no more. The cross of Christ has taken it out of the way. And for that, we're thankful, Lord. We're thankful for Your Word, for the clarity with which it speaks in a time of uncertainty, a time of darkness, a time of foolishness in our culture in which we live, and yet Your Word has such certainty with which it speaks. And we're grateful for that. And as we come now to read, to study, to hear from heaven. We pray for grace and wisdom. We pray that the Spirit of God would enable our mental faculties to think well, to work well, work properly, so that we can interpret these passages of Scripture accurately, so we can understand the truth that is there, that we can behold the glory of the Savior within these truths and be more like Him. That is our desire, Lord. We pray that You would do that for Your glory. Amen. Alright, we come this morning in our continuous study of the spiritual disciplines, uh, continuing, purple, continuing, uh, that was not in my notes by the way, continuing uh, in our study of the spiritual disciplines on the topic of discipleship, discipleship. We have considered several disciplines already, we've talked about Bible intake, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about evangelism, uh, now we're talking about discipleship. And next week, Lord willing, we'll start talking about Christian learning, how to read books and, and various resources by which we can learn as Christians. So we're on the topic of discipleship, and I told you there are four things I want to do in this study. Uh, initially, it was supposed to be a one-week uh, study on discipleship, but here we are in week three of who knows how many weeks we got to go. But uh, four things I want to do. Consider and answer several questions regarding discipleship. Make some additional and miscellaneous comments on discipleship present to you a practical discipleship plan for our church, and then finally suggest some helpful resources for discipleship. So we've already uh, considered several questions on discipleship. We talked about uh, what discipleship even is. You've got to begin there. Uh, and discipleship, what did we conclude discipleship was? What is discipleship? Where's all my note takers at? What is discipleship? <clears throat> Following Christ and helping others to follow Him. There you go. Following Christ, helping others to follow Christ, right? The Greek word mathetes, where we get the word mathematics from, that's what a disciple is, a student, a learner, a follower, a pupil, someone who is following after another and learning from them. And so that encompasses both our following Jesus and calling and helping others to follow after Jesus. We talked about uh, Matthew 28, the elements of discipleship, go, right? Evangel evangelism, baptism, that would involve church membership, and then disciple or teach the nations. Teach them to obey all that Christ has commanded. So you have evangelism, church membership, and discipling or instructing. 
Uh, then we uh, ask the question, how do we do this? How, what are some methods by which we go about effectively discipling and making disciples? And uh, we talked about one-on-one. We talked about discipleship groups. We talked about Bible studies, preaching and teaching. And I gave you the illustration of the concentric circles. Caitlin remembers the concentric circles. And so, you know, Jesus and Paul both would minister to the masses. They would also have lots of churches and Christians in their circle and realm of influence. But then, you know, you get to Jesus, you get the twelve, and then eventually you get the three, Peter, James, and John. And so you kind of have these categories or these realms of influence. There are certain people that we go really deep with. There are certain people that we might not go as deep with, but we're going to have some sort of a discipling relationship with them and so forth. So there are various realms of influence within our discipling ministry. Uh, then we talked about Jesus' method. Four steps in Jesus' method. Prayerful meditation, careful selection, purposeful association, powerful proclamation. Jesus prayed, then He chose, then He spent time with His disciples, and He sent them out to preach. And then we finished up last week uh, by considering the question, what are some biblical goals for discipleship? And uh, what were some of the goals we talked about? What are some goals... For discipleship. For discipling people, what do we want to see? Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Okay. Caitlin's answer was still one. Spiritual growth. What else? The glorification of God. We want God to be glorified. That's the chief end of everything. What else? And for it to be Bible-centric, for us to get deeper into God's Word. Deeper in the Word, right? We want to go into the Word. The Word is central. And we want, the, want those we're discipling to know how to read and study the Bibles, right? What else? Cut the volume up just a little bit. So we want them to know the Bible. We want them to know... How to study the Bible, how to pray, want them to know they're saved, and so forth. And of course, ultimately, we want them to be mature in Christ, right? We want them to be mature in Christ. And then I gave you from Colossians 1 four uh, truths about a discipling ministry, right? Discipleship is costly. Discipleship has in mind the benefit of others. Discipleship centers on the Word of God. And discipleship demands purposeful labor. We have to work hard with the purpose of seeing God's people made mature in Christ. So now this morning, uh, I want to consider one more question before we move on from the questions I want to consider. Uh, That question is, what are some ways to go about accomplishing these goals? So if that's what we want, we want to disciple people, we want people to be mature in Christ, we want people to know how to study their Bibles, how to pray, and so forth, what are some ways we can go about doing that? We've kind of talked about this before, I think, but what are some ways that we can go about seeing these goals accomplished? I've got four thoughts for you. Number one, weekly meetings. Or you could do bi-weekly meetings. I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be. But choose a group of people, maybe one other person, and commit to meeting together in a formal way every week or every other week. Read a book together, go through a manual together, and so forth. Uh, Secondly, do life together. Do life together. Don't just have formal times of meeting, but enjoy each other's company. Hang out. Eat dinner together. Be hospitable. Open your home. Uh, go fishing together, go hunting together. I don't hunt. If I did, somebody would probably get shot and it wouldn't be a deer. But whatever your forte is, do it. Find people and enjoy life with them 
And that way you can see each other in, in the everyday life and you'll learn how to follow Jesus. Because it's not just the classroom, right? It's how, how do you love your family? Well, if you're around other godly people who love their families well, it's just contagious. You begin to learn how to do it. So do life together. Uh, thirdly, do ministry together. Do ministry together. Go out and serve together. Go out and do evangelism together. Uh, do ministry together. Go to the clinic together. Hold up signs. Share the gospel. And number four, hold each other accountable. Hold each other accountable. Uh, throughout the week, check in. How are you doing? You know, How's your walk with the Lord? Uh, how, how's your struggle with this specific sin this week going? You've, you've confessed that sin to me. How, how, are, you, how are you doing with that? Um, it, it's easier to avoid sin when you know that at the end of the week you've got to meet face-to-face with someone else and say, hey, this is how I dealt with that sin this week. Right? It would be a lot easier to avoid sin. So have accountability partners in your life. Um, con- you know, so contact each other throughout the week. Influence each other. Recommend good books to each other. Pray for each other. Uh, keep each other accountable. So these are some ways to go about accomplishing these goals. Weekly meetings, life together, ministry together, and holding each other accountable. Any thoughts or comments or questions on all of that so far? Alright, number two. The second thing I want to do is I want to make some additional comments on discipleship. Uh, Number one, I want to emphasize the importance of a culture of discipleship. A culture of discipleship. What, What do you think I mean by that? When we talk about having a culture of something, what do we mean? Continual discipleship. So it's something that's continuing on? Okay. That's a good way to put it. What else? Way of life. Way of life. It's just the norm. This is the life of our church. This is what we do. It's just not common, unfortunately, in many evangelical churches for there to be real life-on-life discipleship. It's just rare. People just want to come to church on Sunday, enjoy you know, a sermon or sleep through a sermon, however you might do it, and then go home and be home by noon to get check up on the game, right? That's why I'm glad I'm a college football fan, because I don't have to worry about getting out by noon, because it's on Saturday. But that's the way most people are. There's no deep, abiding, discipling relationship. But Jesus didn't, he didn't create a, a, a program. He didn't have 40 classes you go through, and then you graduate. He, he spent time with the people he discipled. He loved them, he modeled godliness to them, he was with them. And so there needs to be an importance of a culture. This is just what we do. That brings me to secondly. The importance of influence. Influence. Again, we're, we're kind of just talking about some of the same things here. But you can't just teach people the truth. You have to model the truth. You have to model the truth. Thirdly, the importance of Multiplication. Multiplication. 2 Timothy 2.2 The things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, teach these to others who will be able to teach others also. And that process of transmission continues. You teach others who teach others who teach others. And so the goal is to train others that we're teaching to do the very same thing. Very same thing. This This last Wednesday, Ian led our discipleship group, did a fantastic job. So in a year, when he starts a discipleship group, he's going to already know how to do this. Right? Making disciples that make disciples. And so... May each of us have those kinds of people in our lives. The importance of multiplication. I love our note takers. They're just like... Repeat that Timothy verse. Please. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Caitlin, is that what you need to do? No. What do you need? Okay. Hang on. I'm going to write that down too. The sec- see, you're the second one. 
Oh, uh... Importance of influence. influence. Yeah. If I ever want to turn this into a book, I'll just grab their notes and we'll put them all together. <coughs> what was the title of that section? Uh, some additional and miscellaneous comments regarding discipleship. Is that long enough for you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right, number four. I'll make it real simple this time. Number four. The importance of commitment. Real simple. We're looking for fat people. I think I've said this before. We're looking for fat people. What does that mean? I resemble that, Mark. Ah, so much. Me too. I will throw every one of my pens at you. Okay, I just totally lost Faithful. That. Important notes. Oh, commitment. Commitment. So they're faithful. Okay. Accountable is a good one. Available. Available. They're consistent and they're reliable. Consistent and reliable. Available. What about T? Teachable. Teachable. Right. So faithful, available, teachable. Fat people. Right? That's what we're looking for. People that are faithful, available, and teachable. If you try to make disciples, if you're trying to, to do a, a discipleship group with someone that's not faithful, in the long run it's not going to work. They're not going to keep coming. If you try to do discipleship with someone that's not available, they don't have time to meet with you, then it's not going to work. And if they're not teachable, then it's not going to work in the long run. Right? If we want to make disciples to make disciples, they've got to be faithful, they've got to be available, they've got to be teachable. So the importance of commitment. One way to stress this, you don't have to do this, but this is just an idea. So maybe you, you talk to three other Christians, you decide you're going to start a discipleship group. Maybe you print off a covenant off the internet and say, hey, let's sign this covenant at the very beginning because we're going to take this serious. You know, this is just something to stress the importance of this. This isn't just, hey, come as you feel. This is, let's make this a serious commitment. We're going to meet together and take this serious. So the importance of commitment. <clears throat> All right, now what I want to do now, thirdly, is I want to present a practical discipleship plan for our church that I'm kind of working on right now. It's not perfect yet. I'm still trying to... It's never going to be perfect. But it's not where I would like it to be just yet, I don't think. I'm still tweaking it. But basically, uh, there's five steps that I've come up with. It's a five-step process that I think will be helpful in, in getting people to realize where they're at in the discipleship process and what step they need to take next. Okay? If we want this to be the life of our church and we want everyone to be involved in this process, then it's, I think, helpful to kind of enumerate these steps. So five steps, I'll go through them fast, and then I'll go back and we'll discuss each one. It's just one word for each of, each of those. Number one, worship. Worship. Number two, number two, evangelism. Evangelism. Number three, membership. Membership. Number four, <clears throat> multiplication, multiplication, and number five, ministry, ministry. So worship, evangelism, membership, multiplication, ministry. So now let me kind of explain what each of these steps stands for. Uh, number one is worship. So it begins with come to church on the Lord's Day and on Wednesday and uh, come worship the Lord with us. That's step one. If you're here this morning, you've already done that, right? Or you wouldn't be here this morning. Uh, so even as we're on the streets engaging in gospel conversations, that's step one. You need to come to Christ, and then as a Christian, you need to come to church and worship God with us. Okay, that's step one. Step two is uh, titled evangelism. I'm kind of trying to work through what I'm going to call that. But what I mean by that is there's a newcomer's class that we're trying to start that's a, basically a five-week evangelistic Bible study. Five weeks going deeply through the gospel under five headings, God, man, Christ, response, promises, and warnings. And it has three goals. Number one, to make sure that those who are coming to church are saved and understand the gospel. 
Number two, to train and equip you to share the gospel. And number three, in that same line of thinking, to train you to even teach this Bible study to others if you're interested, because that becomes a wonderful evangelistic tool. So it's a five-week Bible study. We have so many people, new people coming in. It seems like every week we have visitors, and we want to make sure that people are converted and understand the gospel. So that's step two. Step three, and if you're interested in that, you don't have to be a newcomer either. I mean, some of you have been here for months, so, and some of you have been here for years. But if you would like to sign up for that so that you can learn how to teach this, because I can't teach this all the time, right? I've got responsibilities as well. I would like to train others to do this, delegate that to others, so that we can always have the possibility of having this class going. So that, you know, maybe this morning a newcomer comes in. Well, hey, we want to invite them to join the Bible study, but I can't do it because I've got a commitment, but maybe this person can. So if you want to learn how to teach that Bible study, please come uh, or to let me know and I'll sign you up for that. All right, thirdly is membership. Membership. Once you have come worship, come to worship the Lord with us, and once you've been here for you know several weeks at least, you've gotten to know the church, we've gotten to know you, and the Bible study is optional. You don't have to come to that to become a member, but it's highly recommended. But once you've come, you've worshipped the Lord with us. Step three, then, is membership. Membership. We're convinced from Scripture that there's a difference between attending a church and being committed as a member of the church. There's a difference between somebody who's traveling through and just stops to visit this church this Sunday and someone who's really a part of a local church. You've got to make a, distinct, a distinction there. <clears throat> and there's a difference. There's got to be a difference because... In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, voting people out in church discipline. Well, how do we know who gets to vote? I mean, we have these, this group of people who are here every Sunday. This guy just stopped in this Sunday. He's out of town. We're having a vote. Does he get to vote this week? I mean, how do we, how do we distinguish? There's got to be a difference between members and non-members. And so membership is, I think, a biblical principle. The way we do it, uh, it's not like specifically detailed. There's not a detailed outline in the Scripture on how to do membership. So we have to come up with a biblical, a way that applies biblical principles. So we make sure people are converted. We have a, a process where you fill out a piece of uh, a form, you give us your testimony, uh, you meet with Keith and I for an interview, and we, we make sure you're really a believer. We don't want to give you false assurance and say, yeah, this person's a Christian, we're accepting them in a membership, and in reality, they're not. We don't want you to die with false assurance. So we have a process for membership. If you're interested in that, let me know. Number four, once you become a member in the church, number four is multiplication. Multiplication. <clears throat> and these steps, by the way, aren't, they don't have to be like completely in a logical order, uh, a sequential order. You can do some of these things without being a member. You don't have to be a member to be in a discipling relationship, right? You should do that anyway. But once you become a member, this is something we really emphasize. Multiplication. That is, join a group of people, find a way to start a discipleship group or join a group with the goal of starting your own group after about six months to a year. We would like to see that. I would like to see all of our members, all the people that make up our church in discipling relationships and in discipleship groups. So that's number four. And how do we do that? We've talked about it one-on-one. -on -one. You could do one-on-one -on -one discipleship. You could do a small group discipleship. You could read a book together. You could... Uh, read a book of the Bible together. You could go through a manual together. The one I use for discipleship is called Fundamentals of the Faith. Fundamentals of the Faith. Uh, more simply, FOF. It's by John MacArthur, and that's a 13-week lesson, or, or a 13-week uh, booklet 
And it's a workbook, basically, that comes with a teacher's guide. Very, very good stuff. Ian taught it last week. It's laid out so well that it's not very hard to teach. You basically just, the teacher of the group's really more of a facilitator. It's more of just asking questions, having people read stuff, and just discussing the Word of God together. So it's a very simple tool to use. Another tool uh, to use is something I'm actually coming up with now. Uh, a buddy of mine and I started something. We called it one time Disciple You. Uh, but I'm going to call it uh, the Christ is King Discipleship Program, I think is what I'm going to call it. And basically, it's going to include, I think, like 10 or 12 classes that will have books to read, lectures to watch, or videos to watch if you're interested. And uh, that way, we're, we're going deep in the Word together. Okay, so that's a good tool we could use, and I'll have that online soon. Uh, and the classes will be simple things like how to pray, how to read the Bible, uh, how to do evangelism, how to do discipleship. So if you wanted, you could sign up for this, take a group with you, and every week you guys could read through a book together and then come together on a specific day of the week and discuss what you learned. So that's an option. So multiplication. And then number five, number five is ministry. Ministry. What we want everyone in our church to do is discover their spiritual gifts and utilize those gifts by serving in the church and in our community. Serving the church and the community. And you know, when we talk about spiritual gifts, um, there, there is a debate theologically on what exactly spiritual gifts are. Uh, there are some, I think this is the modern way of thinking, is that spiritual gifts are unique abilities granted by the Holy Spirit only to believers for ministering in the body of Christ. Um, and I think I'll probably lean that way. But there are ancient theologians, I think Calvin took this position, that spiritual gifts are just abilities that God gives to people. Everybody has them. And it's given by, all, all talents, all abilities are given by the Holy Spirit. Right? Any good thing you can do is given to you by God. So even if you can drive, that's a gift from God. The fact you can walk and get up and drive and see is a gift from God. And you can use that to serve the church. My wife and Sean are going to pick up a lady right now who's been asking to come to church for a while and she has no way to get here herself. And so they can use their abilities to serve God and to serve God's people. And so... Martha and her family are very musically talented and they do a fantastic job of serving us. So you don't have to look in the Bible and say, man, these gifts here, I don't really have any of them. I don't have prophecy and teaching and you know whatever. But you have abilities. Whatever they are, they're gifts from God and you can use them to serve Christ, serve the church, and reach the community. Okay? So we want to find out what our gifts are and use those gifts. I'm currently also thinking about how I can develop a tool to help with that. Uh, there are spiritual gift surveys you can find online. Usually they're very bad. Uh, in fact, most of the time you're going to find that a survey works this way. It's just going to ask you questions about what you like to do. You're going to put, yeah, I like to do that. And then at the end it's going to tell you, okay, you got this gift. You've got to figure that out on your own. I, yeah, I like teaching. Okay, I'm gifted at teaching. You know, so that's that simple. But I might come up with something, a, a survey that might be a little better. So trying to figure out tools to help us discover our gifts and serve in the ministry. Uh, any thoughts, comments, or questions on that? Uh, what I want to do now is, uh, before we move on to the last thing, is I want to read to you the core values that are on our website. We have a church website, in case you don't know that. Uh, our brother Ryan Denton. Ryan Denton, that's not the right. Ryan, what's his last name? Ryan. Ryan Ryan? The Ryan who played music for us. Okay. Ryan Case. Ryan Case, there he is. 
So Ryan, when he was here, he helped put a website together. I finished up, put some finishing touches on it. And on our website, we have a What We Believe page. A What We Believe page. And obviously it goes through the confession. We are 1689 confessionally. We hold to that, that, that confession. But on there I also have our core values and a mission statement. And I want to read this to you so you understand uh, the, the reason we're doing all this. You understand why we exist as a church. And I don't believe that uh, this is just like an optional thing. Like we can, As a church, we can just kind of pick our own mission statement and uh, pick our own core values. Because every church might be different. might be different, slightly different emphasis. might be worded a little bit different. But this mission is the same. It's the one mission given to us by our Lord in the Scripture. So let me read these core values to you. As a church, we exist to glorify God by functioning as He has designed and by fulfilling the unique ministries the Lord has given to the local church. The goals of our church are evangelization, edification, and exaltation. So if you're a note-taker, that's easy, right? Three E's. Evangelization, edification, exaltation. We seek to evangelize the lost by bringing the gospel to them, to edify the saints through the ministry of the Word and the employment of our spiritual gifts and service to one another, and to exalt and glorify God through worship and obedience. The goal of all that we do as a church is the glory of God. Below these core values are presented in more detail. So that's it. These are the values. Number one, exaltation. Exalt the Lord. Exalt the Lord. How do we do that? Four ways. Through personal communion with God in the Word and prayer. By participating in the public worship of God with the saints on the Lord's Day. By engaging in regular family worship. And by seeking to offer the whole of our lives as worship to God. Okay, That's four ways that we can exalt the Lord as a church. Number two, evangelization. Evangelize the lost by preaching the gospel, by making disciples, by planting churches both locally and abroad. And then number three, edification, edify the saints. By using our spiritual gifts to serve one another, by engaging in discipling relationships, by engaging in hospitality, community, and fellowship. So this is what we want to do as a church. We want to evangelize the lost. We want to edify the members and other believers. And we want to exalt God. This is why we exist as a church. So this discipleship plan that I'm trying to come up with is for that purpose, to so that all of us are involved in these things and bringing glory to God in this way. And then let me finally, let me read our mission statement on there. Mission statement is, Our mission is to glorify God by evangelizing the lost, discipling the saved, preaching the word, equipping the saints, and serving our neighbors, all by the grace of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit. The intended results are the salvation of sinners, the sanctification and the maturity of the saints, and the spiritual and numerical growth of both our local church and the universal church, all to the glory of God. So that's why we exist as a church. Because if you come here on Sunday, you think, well, why do we even do this? We, don't have, we usually don't ask those questions, do we? We usually just do what we do. We just go through the motions. You know, we go to church. We go to church on Wednesday. Maybe we do prayer meeting. But why do we do these things? This is why we do them, because we want to evangelize sinners, edify saints, and exalt God. And so this is a plan, I think, that will help us do just that. Any thoughts, comments, or questions on any of this so far? Um, I was listening to radio broadcast of uh, Robbie Zachariah, and he talked about the fact that this guy had, had discipleship, and he had all these people he had brought in and everything else, and... Uh, six months later, they were all lost. No. 
because I didn't equip them for the battle. That was the most important thing that you should do is equip I know. people for the battle that they're facing. I know, I know, that's true. Very good point. So we're equipping them with the word and prayer. You know, we're, we're building relationships. This is this isn't just information, right? This is walking alongside of God's people, giving them the tools they need to grow, modeling godliness for them. And and uh, there's you think about it, what we do on the Lord's Day, the word of God's being preached. That's important, right? God's people are hearing the exposition of the scripture, they're learning the word of God. That's very important. What we do on Wednesday, we get together, we pray, we go through a book of the Bible together. We're going through Matthew now. That's important. But there, there's still something lacking there. there there's, there's something else needed. We need deep relationships where together we equip each other and walk the Christian faith. And I think that best happens in smaller groups uh, of three to five, even one-on-one in discipling relationships. Uh, any other thoughts, comments, or questions? So the question to consider then is, where are you at on the discipleship process? Obviously, if you're here this morning, you're worshiping the Lord. But do you understand the gospel and are you sharing the gospel with others? Are you pursuing membership in a biblical church? Are you seeking to multiply disciples and build discipling relationships? And are you using your gifts to serve in the ministry? And uh, where are you at in that process? What help do you need? If you have any questions on that, you need any help, in that, even if it's filling out the form for the, for membership, let me know, and I'd be glad to help you. <clears throat> All right, let me close this morning by giving you uh, some helpful resources. Helpful resources. I have, I think, four mentioned here. Number one, there's a book that I've read uh, by Mark Dever entitled "Discipling: Helping Others Follow Jesus." Very good book. It's a very short book too. I mean, if you're like me, you like short stuff, practical stuff, easy stuff. I actually just read the book back and forth to Gatlinburg a few weeks ago. It's that simple. It's like I think it's like 128 pages, but it's a small book, and each of the pages are really small. It's called uh, Discipling, Helping Others Follow Jesus by Mark Dever. Very good book. Another tool is Fundamentals of the Faith. I've already mentioned this by John MacArthur. It's a very good discipleship manual. Uh, it goes through... How to Pray, How to Read the Bible. There's a lesson on the will of God. There's a lesson on salvation. Very good book. Uh, Number three, a book by Greg Ogden called Transforming Discipleship. Greg Ogden, Transforming Discipleship. Let me throw this out there. I don't think Greg Ogden's the best. Um, So I, you know, you're going to have to, you know, take in the meat and spit out the bones kind of thing. But there is some helpful stuff in there on discipleship that you might uh, find beneficial. And then fourthly, uh, what I've already mentioned as well, uh, Discipleship U is what we used to call it. I'm working on it now. It's going to be called Christ is King, the Christ is King Discipleship Program. And so I'm going to try to work on getting some classes online. And it'll be all optional. Go at your own pace, read the books. If you want to watch the videos, do that. But uh, that way everyone's reading good, solid Christian books and growing in their understanding of the Scripture. Um, we're also coming up with a... I'm trying to come up with... I'll have to talk to Keith about all this and get him to... Clarify things for me. Crystallize stuff. But I'm also trying to come up with a second track to that, and that's going to be called the the Christ is King Pastoral Training Program. The goal with that is to train men in our church uh, to be elders, if that's something they desire, or to be church planners and pastors and so forth. And that'll probably just include the initial 10 classes of track 1 with like 12 more classes on preaching and pastoral ministry. So be praying about that. 
But as a church, that's what we want to do. We want to be disciples that make disciples. And we want to be a church that plants churches and reaches the whole world for the glory of Christ. And we all have our role to play in that. And as each of us faithfully fulfill what God has given for us as a church, we bring glory to God. All right, any final thoughts? You guys are quiet. I could just preach a sermon for Sunday school. All right, let me close with this uh, quote from Mark Dever. Mark Dever says, Discipling is a relationship in which we seek to do spiritual good for someone by initiating, teaching, correcting, modeling, loving, humbling ourselves, counseling, and influencing. That's a long sentence, isn't it? It's a long sentence. So listen again. Discipling is a relationship. Okay, It happens in the context of relationships in which we seek to do spiritual good for someone by initiating. Okay, So usually people don't come up to you and say, hey, would you like to do a discipleship group with me? So how do we fix that? We do it. We initiate it. You go do that to somebody. And then eventually it will be a culture and people will do that. right? So initiating, teaching, we, we teach the Word, correct. We've got to correct each other. That's life in the local church, isn't it? We're sinners. When you get sinners together with sinners, guess what happens? Lots of sin. And so it's messy, and you have to deal with it. You've got to deal with it by correcting improper behavior, wrong doctrine, and that happens in discipling relationships. Then modeling. You live out godliness before them, loving, humbling ourselves, counseling, and influencing. So these are the ways that we make disciples. So i leave you with this question. Two questions. Number one, are there people in your life right now that you would say you have a discipling relationship with? People that you are accountable to, people that you're studying Scripture with, modeling godliness for, or is there someone like that in your life doing that for you? If not, I would encourage you to find someone and start doing that. And then the final question is this. When you come to church on the Lord's Day, do you just look for what you can get out of church, or do you look for how you can give and serve? That's important. We need to come to church not just to hear the Word, but to speak the Word to one another and to grow together as a body. So that's discipleship. It is a point, It is the means that God has appointed by which His church grows, by which the world is reached, and by which His name is honored. So as a church, we need to be faithful to do these things. Alright, if there's no final thoughts, we're going to get done early this morning and uh, take a picture. Because you're never going to see this again. I'll give you my whole notes, but you got to give them back before service. Now I'm in trouble. I'm going to be noteless up here. Do you know how hard it is to catch up with you talking? Is it very hard? All right. Any final thoughts? Let's be disciples that make disciples. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word again. Thank You for the truth that uh, reigns supreme in our hearts by the grace of the Holy Spirit. We're thankful that people have made disciples in our lives. Or none of us would be disciples if it wasn't for if it was not for others going and preaching and discipling. We're disciples because other Christians made disciples, and now I pray that you would use us to make disciples. May we be faithful to preach the gospel to the lost. May we be faithful to teach your word to believers, and faithful to do this in the context of relationship in the local church, that you might use us for your glory. Uh, Be with us now as we take a few minutes of a break and as we talk and chat and fellowship and as we prepare to come back at 10.30 to worship you, uh, to hear the Word of God read and preached 
and expounded to sing your praises. And as we take the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and see the sacrificial work of our Savior visualized by means of the Lord's Supper. I pray that you would meet with us, that it would be a time of fellowship with God, it would be a time of worship, a time of communion with God, and that you would increase our passion for you, our love for you, our hatred of sin, and cause us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. That's our hope and prayer, Father. Please do these things, we pray. Amen.